I was moved from country jail in October of 2016. Following my conviction for armed robbery, I'm not here to grant our sympathy. I want to be clear on a couple of things. This was an unfair sentence, not in the usual innocent man put into jail type of slog, but in the way that they were clearly pushing me towards being put in a particular jail. I had my blood tested and my hair was sent to a lab. They took pictures of my fingernails. I'd never seen anything like it, but I was basically catatonic. I was in a bad place, wanted it all to just be over. At the time, I didn't think much about the processing. I didn't think about the records that were passed between the guards and doctors. And I didn't care much about the blue rubber stamps that were put at the base of every signed legal document. I didn't know what was normal and what wasn't. I just wanted to get into the haze and no brain the next six or so years away. I was put in a cell with Lian Sun, a Chinese American man. To this day, I don't have the slightest idea what he was in for. Guy looked like your average college kid, but there was just something off about him. He just had this look of complete dissociation, like he was miles away, he never really looked at you, it was as if he looked straight through you, then again, a lot of inmates get that. I barely managed to talk to him in the first few days, we agreed that I took the top bunk, but that was pretty much all we managed to talk about. We had a straightforward schedule, breakfast and work up till 11 lunch and more, some yard time, dinner. After that, we either got our specialized programming time, religious services, NA, anger management, etc., or an hour in the yard, then back in the cell, lights out by 11. In my first few days, I had to go through a lot of orientation. There were the kind of who's who introductions you might expect but also just someone pointing to which shelf they stuck the detergent, basic stuff. I got a job cleaning the beddings, they were so cheap that firm enough poke would go straight through them, like a piece of paper, washing them was basically putting them in a shredder. We had to go on such low settings that they rarely even got clean. I swear I saw a cockroach in one of the pillowcases once, and the damn thing was still alive after the wash and dry. The pillows were also crap, they reefed easily and feathers would get stuck to everything. Probably wasn't a room in this whole facility without feathers littering to the floor. Hell, they were even in the yard, most of them were, in fact. We'd have rotating schedules, so I rarely got to work with the same people two days in a row. I started to recognize a few faces, but people mostly kept to themselves. There was no locker room talk. No braggers, no bravado, just people honking down and shutting up. But even early on, I noticed something was off. I think it all came down to the yard. People had stayed away from the prison yard. No one used exercise equipment. People just stuck to the walls or silently boxed by the fences. There were no loud conversations, no sport, nothing. And as soon as the free hour was up, people were pushing to get back in. From day one, I got the impression that the yard was a bad place to be, but no one was telling me why. What kind of prison has dust on the free weights? 
By the end of the first week, I decided to get into the routine. I was out cold by 10 most nights. Hell, I had the bedding with the least holes in them. Might as well use a luxury. But there was that one night when I just couldn't sleep. I laid down and then all of a sudden I'd be wide awake. There was this whistling wind that came down the hall and it just kept echoing in the back of my head. At first, it was a wind, then a whistle, and with no other sound around, it kept growing in my head until it sounded like a goddamn fire truck siren. I pushed my hands against my ears, covered my head in a pillow, but it didn't do a thing. Finally, I just started to mutter to myself, just to fill the air with some other noise. Please, stop. I'd whisper, please, stop. And the funny thing, it did, it stopped. The next day, I was exhausted. I kept nodding off, breakfast, lunch, dinner, pretty much any time I could sit down. The guards would push me awake, and the other inmates just sort of stared at me. Some of them actively avoided me, like there was something wrong with me. When it was time for the yard, the guards took me aside and asked me to help clean the common area. No yard time for me, gotta sweep some feathers. That night, I went to bed as soon as I could, but the moment my head hit that pillow, I was wide awake again, and down through the hall, there was that howling wind. There was no way for me to sleep, the sound just kept growing, and all my tiredness was just gone. Whispering didn't work anymore. I had to speak out loud. Around midnight, I was still awake. I was just laying there, talking to myself, putting words to the random thoughts in the back of my head to keep my mind occupied. Anything to drown out that awful drowning noise outside. I couldn't let it grow further. It was like trying to stop a sheep from sinking, one bucket of water at a time. I don't have the slightest idea how Leon tolerated it, but he didn't say a word. Things just got worse, I couldn't sleep that entire night, so when it was time to get up, I could barely stand. I fell asleep brushing my teeth, dropping my toothbrush in the sink. I was so used to talking to myself by then, that I'd blurt out whatever came to my mind. I was asleep deprived, exhausted, and just confused and people took notice. There was this one guy, Marlin, who was about as new as I was, short, athletic guy who was just itching for a fight. I accidentally bumped into him in the lunch queue, and he went off on me, pushed me out of the line, bashed me over the face with a tray, and just started wailing on me. The guards were taking their sweet time, so I just had to take it, but I couldn't. There was just something in me that wanted to hurt this guy. I grabbed his shirt and looked him in the eyes. You wanna get whipped, Greeny? I said. You want us to whip you? I don't know where the words came from. It was just the first thing that came to mind. And the sleep deprivation just forced it out of my mouth like a hiccup. What? What did you say? He stammered. I asked if the little greenie wanted a whipping. He backed off, 
His jaw went to slack as he just stared at me, unblinking. Just as I'd found words out of nowhere, he'd lost them. His eyes teared up as he backed himself up against the wall. The prison guards came up to restrain us, and I could see all the fight had run out of him. See what the orchard, Greeny? I added. Marlin broke down. He screamed, tears running out of his eyes. He dropped to the floor, and the guards had to carry him out. I thought I'd feel good after that, but the way everyone was staring at me made me feel like a museum exhibit. I had this sickeningly white smile painted on my face, but it wasn't me. None of this was me. I was losing control, and it scared the hell out of me. I was a puppet. That night, I didn't even bother trying to sleep. I knew that as soon as I lay down to try, I'd just be wide awake again. Instead, I tried to sleeping at my feet or sitting on the floor. This time, Leon couldn't ignore me. He sat up on his bed, looking at me instead of through me. You want something? He asked. You itching? Nah, I said, shaking my head. Just broken. Something's not right. You phobic? Trouble with the walls? Maybe, I, I don't know. Can't sleep. Looks like you sleep all the time. Just not in here. Yeah, I sighed. Yeah, that's about right. They stamped you when you got here? You got any stamps? Yeah, some, yeah. Blue ones. Everyone gets blue ones. What shape? Don't know. I struggled. Leon took a long look at me. In those few dragging seconds, I could hear the wind outside growing louder, and I winced. I groaned to drown out the noise, but it was barely working. I might have to scream to keep it together for another night. They got two stamps, he said. A hand and a sunflower. You sure you don't know which one you got? Which did you get? I asked. What do you mean? I got the hand, he said. Most of us did. No idea what it means, but the sunflowers are always a bit. He pointed at me, as to make a point. Maladaptive. Private prisons. Bullshit. All of them. Leon leaned back in his bed and closed his eyes. Yeah, he sighed. Sorting us into flowers and hands like a goddamn daycare. Probably got a woodchuck and a dolphin stamp too. Leon was out like a light. But as expected, I couldn't sleep. I paced back and forth, screamed into a pillow, and tried massaging my ears. The scratching noise sort of helped, but I still found myself restless. Finally, I got out of bed and pressed my head against the door. Maybe if I let the wind howl, it'll take pity on me. Maybe it would get to a point where it either kill me or stop. I didn't care which, as long as something happened. But the strangest thing came to me. As I pressed my head against the door, the sound became clearer. The wind softened to a whistle, and then a gentle hum. The more I tried to lean into it to listen, the more beautiful it became. Right there, leaning against the door, I had the best sleep in my entire life. The next morning, Leon pulled me up as the guards did their rounds 
I just slept all through the night and I felt amazing. But even then and there, at my best, I could hear a little piercing sound, that wind, that whisper, was still in the back of my mind, even now during daytime. But all I had to do was lean into it, to listen, and a wave of calm would wash over me. It worried me how easy it was. You got through it? Leon asked. I'm getting there. I wasn't paying much attention during breakfast. I was zoned out, listening to what had turned into a melody. Something was speaking to me, but not through words, through emotions and sensation. So it wasn't a word that warned me about Marlin creeping on me with a sharpened toothbrush. It wasn't the guards or the other inmates. No, it was something in the back of my mind screaming at me to hurt him. So I did. All I heard was laughter. There was this alien joy springing up in my chest, forcing me to my feet. I remember turning around and the world looking different. I felt four feet taller. I was looking into Marlin's eyes, but I didn't see him. I saw a teenage kid running through an orchard, hunted by his older brothers who wanted to beat him with a tire iron. When I came to, I was still laughing. It wasn't my own laugh, and neither was the joy. The howling wind was finally quiet, but I felt like a stranger in my own body. I couldn't feel my limbs, and it took me seconds to just orient myself, to remember my fingers, my feet, my eyes. Marlin was bleeding on the floor from a dozen wounds, deep bruising, broken bones, possibly brain damage from repeated hits to the side of the head, involuntary twitching like a fish out of water, his mouth opening and closing. Like me, he just couldn't find the words. It looked like I'd beaten him with a goddamn tire iron. I was taken back to my cell without a word, paraded through the halls like a prize. I could feel the other inmates staring at me, trying to figure me out. As soon as I looked their way, I saw them recoil. I didn't know what the hell they'd seen, but they were looking at me like a goddamn monster. I was locked in my cell for hours, no one was allowed in. And all the while, I kept hearing something in the back of my head, singing to me, asking me to listen just a little closer. And as soon as I realized, that noise turned to pain. Within minutes, I was pacing the cell, spewing whatever nonsense came flooding through my mind. Nonsense about everything and everyone. When the guards finally opened the door, I turned to them without skipping a beat. They had their tasers ready. Deb doesn't know if Eddie is really your son. I rambled. You think he was premature, but she had that time with Irvin at her job the month before. She thinks about telling you. She thinks that might just be the push you need to finally divorce. I tasered to the neck, and I didn't even feel it. As I dropped to the floor in a spasm, my body was screaming with laughter. He had her on the copier. She didn't even think about you. She hoped to see him there again the next week. And there, something deep inside. I found my own thoughts and words standing by as someone else held the reins. I wanted to tear my ears out. 
to make it all go away, but I couldn't even move my hands. I listened too long and too closely, and other guards were dragging me by the neck. They took me out to the yard. I heard them talking. They were standing next to me, carrying me, but it still sounded like they were in another room. I could barely make out their voices. Hatchet man mixed up with bloodworks, they said. But the wrong class. We had a bloomer this whole time. It's a goddamn Christmas miracle. He didn't pop his silly. So why are we taking him out? Just making sure. Protocol. They left me in the middle of the yard, lining up in a circle around me. The guards I'd been yelling at stayed inside, weeping over a picture. After a few minutes, I felt a tingle in my hands. It felt like being poured back into my body, like my mind was a liquid. It all came back to me, one thing at a time. Language, memories, senses, choice. Suddenly, I was standing up. The wind was more clear out in the open. It was colder than expected, and I wasn't even wearing my shoes. But there was something menacing to it, like the eye of a storm. Nothing's happened, I heard. We take him in? Hold on. From afar, it looked like the snow. I didn't even question it. It's snowing mid-July? Sure, why not? But it wasn't the snow. A white feather touched my nose. I looked up into the clouds, and there, far above, I saw something looking back. I can't explain what I felt at that moment. It felt... Like I was looking into an eye in the sky, an impossible physical being, but there was nothing there, and yet, it spoke through me. Like playing a mind game of charades with myself, pictures flashing in the back of my mind, trying to reach an understanding, hundreds of memories pounding at the front of my brain, every second, like a picture being filled up and spilling over the edge. I got a nosebleed trying to keep up, my eyes rolled back, but I still felt like I was looking up. It was easier to see with my eyes closed, my mouth seized up from trying to find a thousand words at once, instead settling on noises and grunts. There were parts that were crystal clear, it showed me memories I didn't know I had, it showed me my eyes opening for the first time. Little hands grabbing my mother's cardigan, her big 80s glasses, making her eyes look like a cartoon. It showed me off, waking in my crib, reaching for the little toys, dancing overhead. And I understood what it meant, that we were born with this instinctual drive to reach beyond our means, to stretch towards the sky, to grab and pull down the unknown to us, making it a part of ourselves. That the most basic instinct of my being was meant to be here, to do this, to reach up. No, I wheezed. All was silent. I looked down as I floated six feet off the ground. No, I groaned. Memories of long lost dreams came rushing back. Pleasant thoughts you don't want to wake from. Promise of love, lust, joy and comfort. It was all there just waiting for me to take it. All I had to do was reach for it, to reach into the sky 
and take it. But there was something more, the eye in the sky, looking at me. Not malevolent, not angry, not evil, just vast beyond comprehension. I was nothing more than a strand of wheat being plucked into the air by a curious farmer. No, no, no! I screamed. They came running up to me. Guards grabbed my legs, pulling me down. It felt like I was being torn in half. Part of me desperately reaching upwards, and my conscious self holding me to the ground. All the while, the pleasant silence was turning from a whisper to a scream. We got it! A guard yelled as the waiter picked up. Get him out of here! Get him! Something let go of me. The guard on my left lost his breath as he suddenly went limp. With nothing but a whistle, I saw him whisked into the sky. Not a word of protest, just a human life growing smaller and disappearing overhead. I dropped to the ground as they scrambled to get inside. Another guard fell flat on his stomach as something invisible grabbed his ankle. Again, a soft whistle, and he was gone. A spot in the dark. Run! Come on! The other guards were standing by the entrance, holding the doors open. They were waving at me, desperate for me to just run. But every part of me wanted to stay, to reach up, to touch the sky and go back to that place I wasn't meant to be. To feel my mother's cardigan between my baby's soft fingertips and to look into the night sky with wonder of what could be. It was all there, and yet my body knew to run. The moment I got inside, I heard thumping, chunks of meat sprayed across the yard, fragments of bone getting stuck in the barbed wire, fabric torn into shreds. Whatever was up there was happy now, and the howling wind was silent. We all just stood there. I could barely breathe. I'd been so close to surrounding to give in to it. Whatever was up there had no intention of caring for me. There was no love, no joy. No comfort, all it could promise me was a swift death at best, or the life of a sleepless puppet. For a moment, we all just stood there, we weren't teammates and prison guards. In that moment, we were just people, trying to understand ourselves. I got processed the next day, they double checked my blood, turns out they'd contaminated my result, a sloppy work from the esteemed people at Hatchet Biotechnica. This time, I saw them clearly stamp my papers, blue ink in the shape of a little sunflower. I was taken out of state. They said it was a matter of security, on account of getting in fights with Marlin. Apparently, he'd broken both legs and his shoulder. Still, I knew better. This wasn't a matter of security. This was about fixing a grave mistake. This prison had a purpose, and I wasn't part of it. Instead, I did my time in a place with no wind, and now I'm out on parole. To this day, I get a shiver up my spine when I hear the whistling wind. I'm scared of my dreams, of my memories. I'm afraid there's still something in me that wants me to go back, to look up. My psychiatrist, Dr. Bogan, 
tells me I've got an agoraphobic trauma to deal with. She says she has some kind of experimental treatment for it, but I don't know. Overexposure therapy sounds dangerous. But even now, I find myself suddenly waking in the middle of the night, my body talking to itself, telling truths I couldn't possibly know to an empty room. Sometimes, not even in my own language, sometimes in no language at all. Even now and then, a white feather still lands on my shoulder, and I just know that looking up will be the end of me, or the start.